Hello, this is Daniel from A Smashing Theory. The podcast that is here. Uh, <laughs> Hi, this is Daniel from A Smashing Theory. And A Smashing Theory is taking a little break. Uh, we will be back in the first week of September. And the episode we will do then will be us predicting the next Nintendo Direct that tends to come around every September like clockwork. In the meantime, while we're maxing and chillaxing and relaxing, we thought that we could provide you with something neat. And that's an episode of our patron exclusive podcast, Beep Boop Soup. A Smashing Theory is part of the Beep Boop group, which is basically what I call all the podcasts that me and my friends do together. And in case you're not in the know by now, we have a Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash beepboopgroup. Every month, we put a bunch of cool exclusive material onto our Patreon for everyone that supports us to enjoy. Starting at the $1 level is a patron-exclusive podcast called Beep Boop Soup, where we take suggestions from our patrons for what to talk about. Uh, we call these things ingredients, and then we talk about those things and try to combine them all at the end, which is us turning the ingredients into a soup. We do that once a month, and we have this free episode for you to enjoy. This was originally released on our Patreon as episode 6 of Beep Boop Soup, called He's a Surfing Dog, Oh Yeah!, it's been available to patrons for several months, but now you get to listen to it for free. If you think that is cool, then you can listen to eight other episodes on our Patreon for $1 a month, which is pretty good. We have a bunch of other rewards on there, too. Uh, at the $2 level, you can participate in our polls right now we're right now we're getting feedback on elements of a new mystery podcast that we're working on right now that should debut in fall 2019 at the five dollar level uh you get discord access where you can talk to us and sometimes play games with us and also uh you get access to our bonus content which is deleted scenes and like cut content and sometimes even pilots for podcasts that we never made public. And if you feel like giving us a nice amount of money at $20 or higher, we give special thanks to all of our patrons at that level at the end of every podcast episode we do. And right now at the, at the 250 level, you can even sponsor us and have us run ads of whatever you want. Uh, you know, within reason, don't, don't make us advertise your poop juice. Please. No poop juice. So, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's that plug. Uh, here's a free episode. And if you like it, maybe you can get more on our Patreon. It's, it's cool. It's good. And we're about to add a whole lot more stuff to it as we roll out our brand new podcast sometime this fall. Uh, if you think this is dumb, then hey, Smashing Theory will be back first week of September, and we'll see you then. Alright, enjoy!
welcome to Beep Boop Soup, the Patreon-exclusive podcast where we take your ingredients, a.k.a. prompts we use to answer questions, and mix them into a soup, a.k.a. create an abomination with answers to those <laughs> questions. I'm Daniel. And I'm Sean. <laughs> I did the whole intro in the sentence this time. Good job. Thanks for Patreon, and welcome, and hi... We've got several new ingredients this time. We do. So, yeah, I don't I don't really have any starting small talk. Let's just get into it. Okay, fuck yeah, let's go. So we have three brand new ingredients to mix together, but first, we gotta open up our new thing, the pantry. <laughs> That's me <laughs> opening. It's, it's, we really gotta get some WD-40 on those hinges. <laughs> you know, it's really... When we damn. have more than three ingredients... <laughs> Uh, all remaining ingredients will be put in the pantry. Right. We we like to give an, a nod to these ingredients. So mm-hmm. uh, we've got two ingredients that we are regrettably putting in the pantry this time. Yes. Uh, the first is the toughest game you ever completed from Mr. Cool Red Luigi. Thank you, MCRL. Yeah, I think uh, I think this is a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and one that we could take out of the pantry later. Oh, sure. Yeah, really, like, we, we just didn't have room for it. That's really the only reason I didn't pick this one. Yeah, and honestly, like, as soon as I saw this, I immediately thought of my game. So yeah, I'm me, excited to take this out later. Yeah, I I have a, a really easy and immediate answer, too. So, so yeah, we'll definitely see you again on a slower week. But in month, the mean, slower month. But in the meantime, that was me putting it in the pantry. Set cool. it down. What, what uh which shelf? Uh the top shelf. Because it's a great idea. It's a top shelf idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our, our second ingredient that we're putting in the pantry for now is your favorite Marvel movie from Leo. Ah, thanks, Leo. Uh this, no. <laughs> no No one will understand that besides Leo. Come on. What do you mean? People aren't listening to special thanks? <laughs> No, they're not. Uh, um, Le- Listen yeah. to special thanks, kids. Leo, that's that's a good ingredient. Yes. I, I think I have an answer for that one, too. Oh, me too. Uh, the only reason this is in the pantry is because we got another Marvel-related <laughs> ingredient, and that one is more time-sensitive, I think. Uh, it, yes. it makes more sense to answer that one earlier. So, favorite Marvel movie is... A, an ingredient I'm looking forward to putting in a future soup. Cool. And for now, it's going in the pantry. So, with with that uh, cleaning done, we can close up the pantry. Yeah. <laughs> this is awful. I hate when podcasts do this. I hate it. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> I can't help myself. I know. Okay. <laughs> But now we have our three main ingredients that we're going to mix together into a soup and combine all of our answers to these three questions uh, right. in in a way that never really is any good. But we do it anyway. I don't know. I thought my dystopian Coliseum <laughs> answer last time was pretty good. I, well, <laughs> Jim but, Carrey the Fox. I still actually kind of love Fedolar Bear from a couple episodes back. <laughs> That is just an Adult Swim short it that is, plays yeah, between but, longer episodes of things. No, Fedolar Bear is absolutely like 
like a full-fledged Adult Swim series, <laughs> the, and one where you don't understand right. how it got renewed past that pilot. Yeah, you know? it was made by like the Tim and Eric guys, and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, you can kind of see the, the appeal of Tim and Eric, but like... I don't know, like, Fadolar Bear is, like, Assy McGee tier, you know? Right, right, it's like, yeah. uh, it's like the, the Squid Billies. <laughs> Which could also be the name of, like, an old-timey gang during the Great Depression. Works for that, too. Ah, what the Squid Billies? Ah, we're gonna moonshine your bootlick. You better get out of the way, busta. I don't know anything about slang from that period of time. <laughs> we, we, at one point... Played an entire role-playing game set in the 20s. And the person who researched the slang was not me. <laughs> it was me. I know. Uh, the only one I remember is when you uh, is when you see an attractive woman, you can say, Now nah, that's a choice bit of calico. <laughs> yeah. the, the squid kitties. What are, what are they? The squid what? The squid billies. The squid billies say that all the time. No. Yeah. <laughs> The first ingredient. How did we get it? Like, uh, first ingredient is from Yaswa. Oh, thank you, Yaswa. Yeah. And Yaswa says, for an ingredient, your favorite movie adaptation from, a, from any book, video game, graphic novel, etc. All right. Who wants to begin? Um, I can begin. Begin. No, wait, you begin. I'll begin. Yeah, begin. So, so I had a couple of contenders uh, for this one. Uh-huh. Uh, I initially thought about doing the Mortal Kombat movie, which I huh. did love. Uh, it was fun. We've learned some things about NetherRealm Studios now, and it just makes me sad to think about the Mortal Kombat movie, so we're not <laughs> doing that. All right. Uh, then I thought about uh, the Watchmen movie. Oh, which okay. I think in some ways was actually actually an improvement over the graphic novel, in, which I know in, is a tremendously controversial opinion. No, and but, I uh, I agree. In some ways, it was the ending made more sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, however, uh, like, uh, I forget who directed that. Uh, uh, the Zach... same guy who did the DC movie, Zach Penn, Z- something is like that. Is that his name? Something like that. Zach something. Zach Penn? Uh, let me just check really quick. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, Zach Snyder. Zach right. Penn's the comedian. Right. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, Zach Snyder. Some some of the directional choices in Watchmen were just very Zack Snyder. <laughs> like, there's a scene in the Watchmen comic where Night Owl and Star Sapphire? Sir... Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, no. Silk Spectre. Silk Spectre, yeah. yeah. Close, same syllables, <laughs> right. alliterative Fs, S's. Um, yeah, Silk Spectre, in the in the midst of all this apocalyptic stuff happening, they, they kiss each other, mm-hmm. like, in one panel, and then in the following panel, they're just, like, both asleep next to each other, like, naked, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, implying that they, they did the do. Right. Right? In the movie, that's a whole-ass sex scene, and it's <laughs> way too long. And it's not, like... It's not a good scene either. Like it's just really awkward to watch. I thought it was funny. Like I don't think it's supposed to be like a sexy sex scene. Like they have that like goofy ass music playing in the background and it's like gross slow motion. Yeah. Like I thought it was really funny. I don't think it was supposed to be funny, Sean. I think it was. No, I don't was... think it was supposed to be serious. <laughs> I think 
I think it was supposed to be serious, and that guy's just really bad at being serious sometimes. I think you're wrong, and that's fine. We can agree to disagree. No. no. Uh. no. <laughs> that sex, he was just bad. Like, are you... Like, there's multiple in that movie. Are you thinking of the one with Dr. Manhattan? No, no. I'm thinking of the one where they're, it's Night Owl and Silk Spectre, and they're both in Night Owl's, like, Night Owl copter. And then, uh, yeah, like, that was absolutely, there was at least a degree to which that was supposed to be played for laughs. Like, laughs. Like, at the end of the sex scene, when everything kind of culminates, uh, one of them, like, hits the button and flame shoots out of the front. Like, that's not serious, you know? I don't, I think maybe that was, like, I'm not remembering the scene as well as you, apparently, Mm -hmm. but, like, even with that account, that sounds more like of a, of like a, f- a funny way to cap off a moment that did not start funny. Because like, at the very least in the comics, that's like, that's like a very heartfelt and like kind of romantic moment. Um, so either he completely ruined the tone on purpose <laughs> or he did it not on purpose. Either way, it sucks. I think he was going for kind of like wholesome and and humorous and wholesome flamethrowers. That was a good movie, and you're wrong. And so, <laughs> so is everyone who thinks it's bad. <laughs> it's the best movie Zack Snyder has done. Most of his other movies have been fine at best. Yeah, I, well, just, I, I just think for me. I can agree that it's the best movie that he's done. That doesn't make it good. Uh, well, you are incorrect. But anyway, that's not even the movie that I'm picking, <laughs> so it literally doesn't matter. We're, we're, we're on great track to, to have a real good episode here with minimal tangents. <laughs> My favorite movie adaptation is Alfonso Cuaron's take on Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Hmm. I think that it is far and away the best of the Harry Potter films for me. And it is because it is different from the other Harry Potter films in some really cool and interesting ways. It can be, yeah. I think that, you know, uh, I think the first two movies are, like, fine. Like, I like Chris Columbus. You know, he did Home Alone. I like Home Alone. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the movies kind of all blend together for me in a way, you that's, know? That's fair, yeah. Um, but three is just, like, it's such a breath of fresh air because... Alfonso Cuaron is such a weird guy with a, such an interesting directorial style, and his style is just all over that movie. And um, I just, uh, I really appreciated kind of how quirky it was and how different it was. And I also think that, like, there's an extent to which The Prisoner of Azkaban is kind of like, it's like the Harry Potter uh, book with, like, kind of the least action in it. It's like, Harry, Ron, and Hermione go to Hogwarts, and there's some weird shit happening, but... It doesn't get really intense until the final act. And so right. it, it, I think that um, because of that, it's almost like, in a, in a way, it's like more of a blank slate than the other movies. Like, you can do more with it if you want to, to in- interesting. kind of keep the audience engaged. Yeah, you can't really change up, like, Goblet of Fire quite as much. <laughs> right, exactly. Right? There, that's there's some, that's there's... a very deliberately scripted and paced, yeah. you know, uh, book. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so I think that he was a great match for it because he had this opportunity to kind of play around and it just brought a lot of life to that franchise in ways that I appreciated. Yeah, I think for better or for worse, Prisoner of Azkaban is a very weird movie. Yes. <laughs> like sometimes that works out really well and sometimes there's like a 10 minute long scene where where Harry's in a goofy bus. <laughs> <laughs> 
God, like, <laughs> like anytime I try to think of Prisoner of Azkaban, I just like that's how the movie started, you know. And that's like the main thing I remember. He's just okay. like, look, look oh, <laughs> Harry's a fallen over in the wacky bus. <laughs> I think that's a really fun scene, but as we've discovered, you're not as good at analyzing scenes in movies as I am, so I can see why you would think it was dumb, you dumb person, you, you hater. Here, I'll I'll say something nice. Okay. The Time Turner sequence is really well done. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm the one that did it. I am. I'm Alfonso Cuarón. No, the, the Time Turner sequence is, is really cool, I think. Unless I'm mixing it up with the Time Turner sequence in the Harry Potter musical uh, that Starkid made. Because they also did a really cool Time Turner sequence in their uh, silly musical. I, I remember thinking that the Time Turner sequence in Prisoner of Azkaban was cool, but my opinions about films don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just go with whatever you say. Thank Daniel. you, you're finally getting uh, it. God. <laughs> no, I... I've, I've, yeah, time turner sequence was probably pretty cool. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I, I'm glad you probably think that. Also, uh, Peter Pettigrew was well cast. That, yes. Yeah, that, that guy, that guy, that poor guy has to play the same role in so many movies, but he does a right. good job every time. I mean, really, when you think about it, that was the movie that gave us, uh, uh, oh, what's his fucking name? Let me just look it up. Gary Oldman? Because that, it didn't give us Gary Oldman. He was already around. No, no, no. I'm, I, I, first of all, that's not what I mean. Second of all, <laughs> Timothy Spall is the guy who plays yeah, Peter Pettigrew. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that's the movie that not only gave us Timothy Spall as Peter Pettigrew, but that is also the movie that gave us Gary Oldman as Sirius Black. Uh-huh. Uh, we got Lupin in that movie, also very well cast, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah Lupin um, was well cast. Yeah, like, uh, I think that um, in addition to that movie being good standalone, it also just, like, it added a lot of good stuff to the rest of the franchise that was good even when the franchise got kind of like less memorable over time. Yeah, and and a lot of the kids were learning how to act starting with that movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's I, definitely I th- true. I I think by Goblet of Fire they were all good actors. Yes. Um but like, you know, they're they're already they're already definitely getting there by Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, for sure. They were all... figuring that shit out. <laughs> it's funny I I remember the beginning of Prisoner Azkaban, and I just remember the end of Prisoner Azkaban, which is just like Harry getting a new broom, and then him just going like ha ha, like as like as like he's sailing off the broom. Just right? tell me about your movie, damn it! It's just like Harry like awkwardly laughing. I'd like to shit on your movie now, please. Could you tell me about your movie? As he zooms towards the screen. Tell me. And then, Freeze frames on Harry's like half exhilarated, half confused face. He's like, ah, <laughs> like his mouth is wide open, like it's open so wide that a bird might fly in. It. <laughs> like, I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good pick, Sean. I think, uh, yeah, it's a pretty good movie. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, all, <coughs> all ribbing on you aside, I, I think that is a really solid choice. Thanks, <clears throat> thanks, Daniel. Uh, anyway, what's your movie? My movie is 
my favorite movie adaptation of a book, video game, or graphic novel is of a graphic novel. Okay. And that graphic novel is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I can't actually shit on this. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah, no, Scott Pilgrim versus the World is just like, first of all, Edgar Wright is an exceptional director. Like, yeah. it's it's like, it's what you like about uh, Prisoner of Azkaban in that, like, like, it has a director behind it that puts his unique voice mm-hmm. in all of his movies, right? There's, yeah. n- there's no one else that could have made that version of Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, I think that Edgar Wright has just such a distinct and immediately recognizable, like, directorial style, editing style, you yeah. know, cinem- cinematographic style. Like, you, as soon as you start watching an Edgar Wright movie, you go, like, that's an Edgar Wright movie, you <laughs> yeah, know? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right away. Like, like, even Ant-Man, like, you can tell the parts that he worked on before he got fired from right. Ant-Man. Yes, yeah, right? for sure. But yeah, no, like, his his wacky directing style was perfect for scott pilgrim yeah like god that that movie like you know scott pilgrim was a graphic novel that was very inspired by video games right Mm -hmm. as a very video gamey plot you have to beat my seven evil (laughs) ex-boyfriends to be able to date me right and that movie like felt like a video game to watch sometimes and like it like felt like a video game sometimes and sometimes it felt like an anime but all in like (laughs) live action with these american actors Mm -hmm. and like he took so many like inspirations from from games and manga and anime and and uh just like god that movie had so much charm so much personality the cast was really great fucking chris evans is the vegan boyfriend um kieran culkin as uh his roommate uh, wallace wallace Wallace, yeah yeah. god he's so good in that movie he's (laughs) so funny yeah (laughs) wallace is fucking hilarious yeah even like like it's funny that like Michael Sarah's the biggest name in there and he's probably like the worst casting, <laughs> but he does a really good job. Yeah, you know, he is uh he's one of the many ways in which that film like deviates from the source material. Yeah. Because I think that reading Scott Pilgrim and watching Scott Pilgrim are actually two very different oh. experiences. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's one um, reason I think it's a great adaptation. Yeah. Because yeah. like I I feel that when a book is when a movie is too faithful to its source material it's actually kind of boring to watch Mm -hmm. if you've already experienced the source material especially you know like the hunger games (laughs) the the first one in particular really faithful uh to the book but in a really dry way and in like in a way that it didn't really get what was exciting about the books yeah yeah no i i get you there um and uh you know i think that uh um an adaptation of a work like there's a degree to which it should always be at least a little transformative you know yeah. what i mean like you did if it's just the same experience as reading the book unless it's like something like the lord of the rings trilogy where it's like an incredibly masterfully made yeah you know, uh retelling of more or less what happened in the book um i think that you know uh it's always a good thing to kind of leave your mark on it and make it a different experience um edgar wright certainly does that and does it very well yeah it's it's like one of the only like you know, adaptations where, like, I read the graphic novel, I'm like, that's really great. Mm-hmm. And then I watch the movie, I'm like, that's really great. And both, like, incredibly different ways, you <laughs> yes. know? Like, yeah. Like, you know, like, the, mo- the the graphic novel is more of, like, a relationship drama, mm-hmm. you know? But, like, Scott Pilgrim versus the World is this, is this incredible action movie. Yeah. This incredible action comedy, you know? They, they really just play up, like, the 
the fight scenes and the laughs and the and mm-hmm. the special effects yeah. are just so wild and cool. But also they were so stylized that it really didn't matter that they obviously had less of a budget than like your typical summer blockbuster. Yeah. Um, they kind of made do with what they had in a way that made you really impressed um, in spite of, you know, the limitations there. Yeah, I agree completely. So yeah, um, yeah, Scott Pilgrim definitely... Definitely my favorite adaptation. I just think it's it's both a good adaptation and just like a good standalone like experience, you know? Yeah, good yeah. stuff. Cool. Thank you, Yaswa. That was a really good ingredient. Yes, agreed. Our next ingredient is from Mitch E. Oh, thanks, Mitch E. Mitch E says for his ingredient, your favorite breed of dog. Oh, what a great question. Dogs are so good. Dogs are great. And this is a really interesting question for me, actually, because um, I don't, like, it's hard for me to, to pick a favorite. And it's mm-hmm. my turn, so I'm going to have to pick a favorite first. <laughs> because, like, I think, like, the cutest dogs are, like, Shiba Inus and right. Corgis, right? But also, like, I know that they have their challenges to raising them, particularly sure. Corgis. And when I was younger, I was a fan of, like, bigger dogs. Mm-hmm. But as I became an adult, I started putting more value in, like, you know, dogs that are not just, like, fun to hang out with for a day, but dogs that are, like, good companions, good to, like, raise, like, ones that, like, give you a lot of affection and are, like, but are also kind of low maintenance. Mm -hmm. Um, And therefore, my answer is one of the most biased answers (laughs) I've ever made on this podcast, because it is the breed of the dog I currently own right now, and uh-huh. that is uh, the Shih Tzu. That's a great choice. Yeah, because my dog Ziggy is a Shih Tzu, and like like I said, I, I wasn't really into small dogs that much when mm-hmm. I was, uh, especially when I was growing up. Actually, I kind of dislike small dogs. I like big dogs more. And then my mom got Ziggy, a Shih Tzu, and Ziggy is just like the the easiest creature <laughs> to own. Like, it really is. <laughs> Like I've I've owned rats that require more attention than <laughs> than my dog Ziggy. You know, like <laughs> Ziggy wants to be walked and fed once a day, <laughs> and then he just sleeps for like twenty hours, pretty much. And uh, and when he's like, and when he's not sleeping, and sometimes while he is sleeping, he's just like cuddling. Like yeah. he just like comes up, like lies down on your legs. And, like, passes out. He's, like, next to you or on you, one of the two. Yeah. And then he just cocks out that way. <laughs> and he snores like a human. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I don't know. He's just really affectionate and also really low-key. And he's, like, the dog equivalent of just, like, someone you can hang out with without talking too much. You right. Know? Like, he's a great dog if you, or, you know, Shih Tzus generally, I should say, are great dogs. If you like companionship, but not necessarily dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Shih Tzus are the dogs for cat people. Right, And yes. I'd, I'd say, especially in this leg of my life, that I'm probably more of a cat person. I would default to getting a cat over mm-hmm. a dog. I got this dog in particular because um, my mother could not take care of him anymore, and then, and then the ownership passed to me. Right. But yeah, no, Ziggy and Shih Tzus are just, like, the best dog they're they're really smart, but they're also not like not super needy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're just really chill. They're the chillest 
dogs in the universe. And I think Ziggy in particular is like exceptionally chill for a shih tzu. <laughs> right, yeah. Right? Because like I I tell other people like how easy it is to take care of Ziggy, how like I'm the laziest person in the world and Ziggy's the perfect dog for that. Right. And like other dog owners I talked to are just bewildered. It's yeah. like like what do you mean you only have to walk him once a day? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was <laughs> there was a point this winter in Chicago where it it was hitting record low temperatures. It was like it felt like negative fifty out at one point, right? <laughs> right? And everyone, all the other dog owners I knew, they were like, "Yeah, we we had to like bundle our dog up and then like take him outside like real quick." Mm-hmm. Ziggy. <laughs> Was aware of how cold it was because, like, he was there for the buildup. You know, we'd go outside for a couple seconds; it'd be real cold. He'd right. Back in. So, like, the day the day it was coldest outside, he just like he never got my attention to go out for a, <laughs> to go outside. Right. Right. Like he just stayed inside for forty eight hours, God. and then like, <laughs> and and then. uh and then I took him out the next, like, I took him out the day after it got a little warmer, mm-hmm. and uh, and he peed for, like, four minutes straight. <laughs> and, like, and he was not, like, uncomfortable. He was not, he was not, like, you know, he was not, like, struggling. He was just like, yeah, I would rather stay inside right. than, than go out there. He just You're... done some cost-benefit analysis. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like... <laughs> He's such a, like, he's such a smart dog in that way, you mm-hmm. know, like, and, and Amy, like, Amy will not point out the part, the times that Ziggy's smart. She'll point <laughs> out the times when, like, the door will be cracked open enough for him to walk through, but then he will growl so we can open the door. Anymore, <laughs> right, you know? yeah. Yeah. But no, he's, like, Shizus are great at communication. Mm-hmm. They're, they're great at, like, like, reading people and reading situations and like, man, he's they're they're such good like therapy dogs too, you know. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm like, whenever Amy or I are down or or like upset, like Ziggy will like come up and and snuggle, <laughs> you know. Like he'd mm-hmm. be on the other side of the house, and then he'd just like run up and like sit in our laps. Right. Like, he's really good at at reading like our tension and our our sadness and like and and trying to make us feel better. Yeah. And he also does this great thing where like he'll sit like he will be make he'll be barely making physical contact with you like when he's sitting wherever he's sitting so that just he can he'll he'll look in the opposite direction <laughs> but like by making physical contact he will he will know what you're up to and right. around, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking yeah. I I love Ziggy a lot. And I can't believe this is this has been like my first real opportunity to really gush about him. Well, there you go. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Mitch. I really needed to dog vent, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Shih Tzus are great. They Ziggy's, are. Ziggy's great. Sean? Uh, so I kind of tackled this question in a similar way to you, which is I considered, you know, what are my favorite dogs generally, and then what are have been my favorite dogs to own? Yeah. What do I think would be my favorite dogs to own? And so, like, you know... I like St. Bernard's a lot, but I've never owned one, and they drool all the time. Right. I think pugs are really cute, but they have a lot of medical problems (laughs) because they shouldn't have been bred that way. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like I kind of went through a bunch of different dogs. And uh, similarly, I landed on, um, you know, a kind of dog that I've owned before, uh, which is uh, 
this is a pretty predictable answer, but it's the Labrador Retriever. Right. You know, among the most popular dogs, at least in the United States. Yeah. Um, but there's a reason for that. Uh, when, from when I was about 10 years old until I was uh, 20 or 21, uh, in my family, we had a uh, Labrador Retriever named Max. Yeah, Max, uh, Max was great. Yeah. He was like, uh, he was the dog that we had when I first became friends with Daniel. At that he, point, Max would have been like 14 or 15, or he, uh, Jesus, I would have been 14 or 15, <laughs> Max would have been four or five. And so, you know, Max was like the dog that, you know, all my friends knew Max, you know, yeah. all my friends at that time. And, uh, God, just what an incredible dog he was. I mean, he was, uh, you know, um... Uh, perennially friendly as as uh, Labrador Retrievers are. Yeah. Um, you know, he was really, really smart. And had we trained him better, he could have learned some really valuable and useful skills. <laughs> right. But what he actually learned was, like, how to open the refrigerator and get to the cheese. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I didn't know um, that about Max. That's great. Uh, and just, I mean, you, you know, you... You couldn't have asked for uh, a nicer, easier going dog, um, you know, could be uh, like played with endlessly by my cousins and not get upset. Cat could climb all over him and it'd be completely fine. <laughs> and uh, we were fortunate enough to have him for 10 years. Um, unfortunately, he had some health problems toward the end of his life and passed away when I was in college. Uh, but he left such an impression on me just because that's just exactly what I want out of a dog. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm, I am also more of a cat person generally. Yeah. Um, unfortunately I'm also incredibly allergic to cats. Oh, I didn't know that. Considering uh, it, that you like have one it, at, well, at it, home. It, it developed after I moved away. Oh, uh, so now when I go back, mom always has like Benadryl for me because otherwise my face is getting real puffy. Oh real gosh. Fast. Oh geez. Um, but it, uh, but even so, you know, I'm, I'm generally more of a cat person, but, when I have a dog, because I kind of enjoy there being a fundamental difference between dogs and cats. Yeah. I really enjoy having, you know, a dog that's kind of very uh, companionable and happy-go-lucky and just everything that a, that a lab is. Uh, after we had Max, uh, we got a golden retriever named Cinnamon, who also made me appreciate Max because she was the total opposite. <laughs> like uh, a really like neurotic fussy you know yeah. anxiety riddled dog we literally gave cinnamon medicine for like dog anxiety because of how anxious she was god and before you guys figured that out i remember the first time i met cinnamon uh we we you brought me over uh to your house and 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 cinnamon had a habit of peeing. She was a she nervous got, peer. Yeah, and yeah. she's a ner no nervous peer. You know, it's just something you say about about people and animals. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, she she would pee when she got excited, and like I I walk in the door. Sean Sean greets me like his like his dad or your dad or your brother is mm -hmm. like holding cinnamon down, <laughs> and cinnamon sitting. At the bottom of the floor, me standing at my full height, five foot five, uh, somehow, I don't know what the physics were of the situation, but somehow her pee got in my eye. I, um, I believe what happened was she was like kind of on the ground, like laying down, uh -huh. peed on herself, got up and then tried to shake it off. 
Oh, and so it. I I just I just like maybe this is just like trauma induced memory, (laughs) but I just remember like walking in, her sitting there, and then suddenly peas in my eyes. I think there were some other steps there. (laughs) (laughs) The the pea created a a mind haze, Sean. (laughs) This is one of those stories. This is one of those stories, like, when you have been friends with Daniel for a long time, you recognize that for anything you love, (laughs) he will find something that is both really funny about it and that denigrates it in some way. (laughs) And then whenever you bring that thing up, he will tell that story. Like, anytime I bring up Cinnamon, like, hey, remember the time she peed in my mouth somehow? (laughs) Oh, yeah, in my mouth! That's right, my eyes and my mouth. Ah, great. Yeah, Yeah, no, I I think it was, it could have been both. This is what I'm talking about. Or or maybe it wasn't both simultaneously, but eventually she did get pee in both of those areas. Anyway, what I'm saying is <laughs> never experience something simultaneously with Daniel. <laughs> because if you like it, you will find that he will somehow degrade it in I'm... a way... Uh, repeatedly for the rest of your life. <laughs> I'm not trying to dunk <laughs> on your dog. <laughs> I'm not trying to do a doggy dunk. I just... You were I... just upset when she dunked her pee in your mouth. <laughs> yeah! It was upsetting. <laughs> and, you know, like, uh, she... She was also, like, a very, a very sweet dog, if very, like... Uh, very aggressively affectionate. Yeah. Right. Like she, as as we've just established, I'm I'm kind of a short, small dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I had considerably less weight on my body back <laughs> back then, about ten years ago. Right. And like she'd she'd come over to like say hi, and she would just knock me over. Yeah. Like I yeah she would uh she would just barrel me down. She was also the kind of dog where if she was near you and you were not petting her, she would like whine at you, paw at you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and like, even though sometimes I was a little scared of that dog (laughs) because like she would knock me over. And then sometimes after I've been knocked over, there would be pee. (laughs) Like, I, I still really appreciate how much you loved that dog. And, Mm -hmm. and I, I did like, you know, I, I did think she was she was very cute and like you know ki- kind of a brat you know but also like oh, for a, sure but no. also like a a fun dog like a, a she was a sweet girl and you sure. know I mean like I was saying uh, there were many ways in which cinnamon made me appreciate Max more as a dog <laughs> right uh, Max never peed on me uh, Max never knocked me over Max was completely fine just sitting beside you yeah I you also know, really liked Max yeah. yeah yeah Max was a great dog. Uh, and so, for all those reasons and more, uh, Labrador Retriever is my favorite kind of dog. Nice. If I were to ever get another dog, well, that's not necessarily true. I wouldn't, you know, where I live now in a big city uh, and in an apartment that is not as large as, like, my parents' house, for instance. Right. I wouldn't want to get a big dog. Yeah. Uh, because it would be cool, I think, to do that. Especially because, you know, I work full time. Yeah. And I wouldn't be able to give, um, you know, a big dog the kind of attention that it deserves. Right. Uh, so if I were to ever get a pet, it would probably be a cat or something, you know, a breed like Ziggy that's kind of fine in a small space with relatively little activity. Yeah, that's fair. I'm kind of in a weirder headspace there in that, like, like I love Shih Tzus and they're great to have. But, like, when Ziggy, like, inevitably passes, uh-huh. and he's, it's, it's more inevitable than I'd like. He's mm-hmm. a pretty old dog now. He's, like, 10. 
Remarkably uh, healthy for his age, I think. Yeah, right? Very and, spry. And, and yeah, like... He, like when he's not sleeping all the time, he can he has the energy level of a puppy sometimes. It's remarkable. Yes. Yeah. Um but like when when he inevitably passes, like I don't want to get another shih tzu, you know, because mm-hmm. it would feel like I'm trying to like replicate the experience or replace him. You yeah. Know? I guess. Like it, it would feel disrespectful to Ziggy <laughs> if I got another shih tzu. Mm-hmm. So I'd I'd probably try to get like a sheep or something. Try try that. Um, oh sheep. Yeah. Okay. Brain process that is sheep. <laughs> I'd probably try to get like, like well, a sh- I, yeah, I, I, probably try to get a sheep. You know, I like that's a good I, idea, I really man. loved the television series Sheep in the Big City. <laughs> I thought it was very funny and uh, and very accurate to the sheep owning experience. So oh, I you thought figured... that was really funny? What about the sex scene in Sheep in the Big City <laughs> where they, uh, you know, it wasn't supposed to be funny. It was two sheep boinking. <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> and then a flamethrower, <laughs> and it caught on the guy the sheep's wool, and, and then it became like a horror movie. <laughs> I think we're accurately remembering Sheep in the Big City here. Uh, Sheep in the Big City is underrated. Like I've I'm, never seen it. It's it's very like the the humor is very like. English teacher <laughs> like ah, okay. like uh like there's a lot of puns and like you know there's uh like the villain is like this this member of the military that's trying to capture the sheep because he's running amok in the city you know <laughs> okay. uh and his name is general specific oh okay right, right. and and his uh subordinate is named private public I see. And, you know there's there's a lot of the kind of Douglas Adams type of thing yeah yeah, yeah it, it is very like it, it it was very British humor, like it was uh-huh. it was all American, you know, right? Um, but like very like very dry humor, but uh, but it was very funny. Okay, I I thought Sheep in the Big City was really good, and it lasted like two seasons, <laughs> and then got canceled, and then Cartoon Network never mentioned it again. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you like you you get to see like Dexter and Powerpuff Girls like getting mm-hmm. all these reruns and. And getting streamed and stuff, they never talk about cheap in the big city anymore. That's true. Anyway, that's a fucking tangent. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. <laughs> um, so those are our favorite dogs. Those are our favorite dogs. Um, I I do appreciate cinnamon. I I don't. I, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I I I don't mean to to degrade the <laughs> the the to to pee on on her. <laughs> On her legacy. You know, literally and metaphorically, she peed on herself for her entire life. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay. Uh, good, great, excellent ingredient, Mitch. Yes, indeed. Our final ingredient is from Lonald at the end of the docket instead of the beginning this time. We're switching it up. Yeah. Bet you weren't expecting that. Ooh, juked ya. Get fucked, (laughs) Lonald. Not really. really. Come back, Lonald. Come back. Don't turn the podcast off. Uh, Lonald uh, gave us a cool ingredient. A hero you're hoping to see in the coming MCU phases. Aside from the Fantastic Four and the original X-Men team. Right. Yeah, so... So as you can see, we this this was a a Marvel one again, but uh, 
but one that makes sense that we we get out there before we hear any <laughs> any announcements. Right. Yes. Yeah. We want to preempt any of these potential characters actually appearing in the MCU. Yes, or or getting announced to appear in the MCU or whatever. This is for those of you familiar with the Smashing Theory, which I'm assuming is all of you, our predictive instinct coming to the forefront. <laughs> uh so, Sean, why don't you go first? This was a really hard question for me because the vast majority of my exposure to Marvel has been through the MCU, uh, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films, and Spider-Man games. Right. That's pretty much, that's mostly the extent of it. Yeah, you haven't um, really done comics too much. Not Well, not Marvel, you know? Yeah. Like, I've done some DC stuff. Okay. And I am... Um, I've I've done some DC comics, like I did Hush, right? The Batman. Oh arc, yeah, you know? Hush Hush is cool. Um, and then I guess Watchmen is technically a part of DC now. Yeah, they're, they're it was. Ma- they're making it, that happen. Yeah, it was like Vertigo initially, but now it's DC. Right. Yeah. Um. So, uh, you know, I could I could comfortably talk about DC characters all day. Right. But in this case, like, you know, I think that uh, the MCU's done a pretty good job with its characters. Um, it, it has, and there's there's a they've covered a lot of ground at this yeah, point. They've, actually, they've covered a lot of ground. Uh, and then, obviously, without being able to do any of the Fantastic Four or the original X-Men, I was really hurting. Like, I had to dig deep. Yeah, uh, fair. Because for the most part, um, my general opinion of Marvel is that outside of the more popular heroes, um, I do not like the heroic canon as much as DC. Sure. Like, uh, I was, I actually, in advance of this episode, was looking at, like, you know, top ten Marvel characters that haven't been in the MCU, and it was shit like, like, yeah, I'm really excited about Namor the Submariner. Appearing. <laughs> like, fucking, come on. Um, it was just all shit like that. Sure. Uh, however, one that stuck out to me is, I'm one of the unfortunate people who saw the second Fantastic Four film in theaters, uh-huh. and uh, that movie has the Silver Surfer in it. Yes. And he's the best part of that movie. Hmm. Uh, he's voiced by Lawrence Fishburne, which is great. Oh, that is pretty good, yeah. And, uh, you know, he just really stuck out to me as, I mean, I'm sure the special effects are dated to hell at this point, uh-huh. but as looking really cool and doing a lot of really cool things... And, uh, so I looked into him a little bit more, and for those of you who may not be familiar with Marvel Comics, he is, at least initially and kind of historically, the Herald of Galactus. Yes. Who is this villain who has not yet appeared in the MCU. Right. Um, and so I got to thinking about the Silver Surfer, and I actually think that he would be a great villain in a Captain Marvel film. Because it's kind of bringing the cosmic, you know, Uh back to Earth. Sure. And also, he's, like, hilariously powerful, right? Yeah. Like, power level off the charts. And so is Captain Marvel. Exactly. So I think that they would be a great match for each other in terms of just being able to go blow to blow with each other and to have it feel kind of really impactful and really good. That's that's really good, yeah. And and you can start to seep some fox into the, the MCU that way, yeah. Some fox? Some fox. Some... Some properties that were owned by oh, Fox. Oh, oh. I, <laughs> my brain went like Fox McCloud, actual foxes. Uh, <laughs> fucking, is there a fox villain in Marvel? What's happening here? What is Daniel talking I'm, about? I'm sure there is a fox. fox villain. Is Galactus secretly a fox? I was all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> what does Galactus say? <laughs> eep, 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 eep. God. Awful. <laughs> yeah, um, that wasn't great. No, that was that was a terrible time in our nation's history. <laughs> <But> anyway, 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, for for those reasons and maybe many more that I'm not even aware of because I'm not very familiar with Marvel, um, I think I I would definitely be excited about Silver Surfer making an appearance in an MCU film. That is a surprisingly good fit. That'd be pretty good. Thank you. Uh, it's it's funny. My main exposure to Silver Surfer. Uh, because I haven't really read too much. I've I've read some Fantastic Four here and there, mm-hmm. but like my the most memorable Silver Surfer comic book I've read is actually from the Stan Lee Meets series. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a series of comic books called Stan Lee Meets, mm-hmm. uh, written by Stan Lee himself, I think. <laughs> uh, where Stan Lee gets to meet and hang out with a character that he's created, right? Right. There's a Stanley meets the thing where Stanley apologizes <laughs> to the thing for giving him such a tragic backstory. And, and the, the Stanley meets silver surfer one is really hilarious because like, he's like, you know, he's riding around like on the back of like silver surfer surfboard. And he's like, gee, silver surfer, where are we going to this time? And silver Surfer's like, we will go where the cosmos tell us because Space is vast and deep, like the pit inside of my heart. <laughs> and Stanley's like, "Gee, fella, you doing okay?" Like, <laughs> he's just like, he's just like making fun of how like edgy Silver Surfer is, That's you know. Good. Uh, and obviously, I'm super paraphrasing here. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, but like, it was very funny. Yeah, that like, is a really funny like high concept for a Stanley meets. You know, yeah, for sure. and and like, yeah, all this like. Uh, the the thing one and the Silver Surfer one like were pretty memorable to me because like they they were very funny. It's just kind of like it, like all of the Stanley meets are kind of Stanley just poking fun at how silly some of his older concepts were. Nice, yeah. That actually reminds me of uh, before J.K. Rowling became like a social and moral pariah on the internet back when people <laughs> still liked her. Right. She did an interview at one point where the question was, if you could have dinner with any one of your characters, who would it be? And her answer was, I would have dinner with Harry and apologize to him the entire time for what I put him through. Aww. It just makes me think of the thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think Silver Surfer is a really good pick. Thank you. Um, What's your pick? My pick... I I really struggled here because there's two... That I want a a whole lot. Okay. Um. So my runner up here, the one that I that I had to put to the side. Oh God, I'm still just switching between them back and forth in my head. All right. My runner up is Squirrel Girl. Ah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I can't believe none of those stupid lists I was looking at had Squirrel Girl on them. That's wild. Yeah. That's that's really dumb. Yeah. Ugh. Uh. Yes. Yeah, Squirrel Girl is a great character. She's really funny and like it's she's just got a lot of great lore around her you know uh-huh. like she's defeated all these like major marvel villains <laughs> uh just through sheer like ingenuity and like creative use of her power right you know uh and like, like dr doom i think is y- one of yeah. her yeah <laughs> i toss a squirrel <laughs> i toss squirrel after squirrel to the side and yet they continue to vex me <laughs> it's like Almost verbatim an actual line great. Uh, from that encounter. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, canonically, she uh, she beat Thanos at some point. You know, like, uh, yeah, like, it's, it's just like, she is a great, like, story of, like, don't underestimate someone and, like, 
and even if you think they're silly, you should respect them and take them seriously. You know, yeah. like she's she's just a, like a great little message wrapped up into this really fun, goofy character concept of a girl with a squirrel tail and buck teeth that talks to squirrels. Agreed. Yeah, uh, she's she's been one of my favorite characters for a really long time, and one bummer is that Marvel actually developed a TV series with her in the lead role mm-hmm. called New Warriors. They recorded the pilot for it, and maybe, like, the rest of the series, like, the rest of the first season. Right. And then, uh, like, it was initially going to air on Hulu or Freeform or something, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then Hulu was like, oh, we don't, we actually don't have the space for the series. <laughs> and then, like, you know, the people behind it were like, okay, well, I guess we'll have to find somewhere else to air this show in 2018. And it's not 2018 anymore, and we haven't heard about well, this show in, like, a fucking year. Not a good sign. And yeah, and I was really excited for the series. It sounded great. It had a lot of, like, some of my favorite, like, D-list characters in it. <laughs> like, Mr. Immortal, uh, a guy who, uh, a guy who, like, comes back to life whenever he dies. Right. But he feels the pain still. <laughs> like, uh, he's, you know... Like, Mr. Immortal is basically just Nathan from Misfits. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man, I was really looking forward to that, and and nothing has come of it, so at least, like, if you're not going to give us that series, then stick her in the MCU. But she's not my real answer. So oh, what's I, your I real fo- answer? I won't focus on her too much. My real answer is uh, Kamala Khan. Oh, that's a good one, too. A.K.A. Ms. Marvel. She's great. She's I, cool. I, I really love her. I read a lot of her comic run, mm-hmm. you know, and like, and obviously she's really, really great representation. Uh, but also, like you, you, you put that aside, and I still just love her as a character. Sure, she's, she's like, she's really funny. She's like really spunky and goofy, mm-hmm. and like, like end of the millennial. I guess she's actually probably more like Gen Z, right? But she's a great like, she's just a great like teen of her generation, you know. Yes. Like, just, like, yelling memes as she hits people with her giant <laughs> fist and, like, and going through, like, really relatable teen problems and just, like, man, I love her a lot and I just, like, I really want to see her in Captain Marvel too. you know? Yeah. I, I think, I think there's a great opportunity to have her have kind of a minor-ish role in the next Captain Marvel movie and then get, like, her own movie. Uh-huh. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I want to, I want to see her a lot. I think she'd be really great for the MCU. I agree, and uh, I will say that Ms. Marvel was on a couple of the lists I was looking at. That's good. And really, the only reason I didn't pick her is that, that I just didn't know a lot about her, whereas with the Silver Surfer, I had a small connection. You know right, I mean? that, that's fair, yeah. Uh, but your description of her, and you know, also just kind of what I know about her, because actually, when Ms. Marvel debuted, like, the New York Times covered that, you know? They're right. Like, Look at this incredible superhero that's just come out of Marvel. Yeah, um, no, she's she's great. Like, yeah. Like her her initial comic run was really incredible because like like it manages to f- focus a lot on like kind of the Muslim American experience mm-hmm. while not making that the only thing about her. That's right. that's not that's not her whole character. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a part of her life. It's a part of her family, and uh, and they don't shy away from that stuff. But also like she's just like a fucking goofy like cool kid you know Mm -hmm. and when they were like introducing her and 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 focusing on on her sort of origin stories uh that comic run was really good and then like she was just like 
she just had to react to all these events that were happening right. in Marvel and and less of a focus on her happened in her own book after that, which was kind of a shame, which is part of why her getting her own movie would be dope as hell. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So yeah, Kam- Kamala Khan is my pick, but Squirrel Girl like is is very close to my heart and also literally in our apartment because he has a figurine of her on our bookshelf. Yeah, a- Amy and I like put our money together to get this <laughs> like this anime styled Squirrel Girl figurine. It looks really, really incredible figurine. Yeah, no, yeah. it's it's awesome. It looks great. There there's a lot of cool like C&D list Marvel characters that I like to see. I'd like to see some of the Young Avengers in there. The Runaways are great, uh, and the TV series had a cool first season, and then I watched the first two episodes of the second season, and I haven't watched anything <laughs> since. Um, uh, it, it'd be cool to see, like, the Runaways in the MCU, but I think they're just kind of stuck on Hulu now. Nightcrawler is one of my favorite X-Men, and he's not one of the original ones, so <laughs> he could count. But yeah, there's, uh, I'm I'm really looking forward for how wacky this next phase of the MCU could get in terms of giving new characters movies and stuff. Yeah. I hope they don't shy away from the wackiness. Yeah. Kind of the rumblings of stuff like Shang-Chi and the Eternals getting movies. Right. It feels like if if that isn't all just smoke and mirrors mm-hmm. uh, before they announce, like, the real slate of movies, <laughs> like, I, I think they really are going to get really bold with this, uh, with this phase, and I'm excited for it. Cool. And I'm excited... From that question, that ingredient, Lonald, that, that was a good ingredient. Thank you, yes, Lonald. Thank you, Lonald. All right. That's that's all our ingredients. Now we must craft a bibbly bubbly soup. <laughs> it's time to make the soup. Soup time. Our ingredients are Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. As directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. As directed by Edgar Wright. Shih Tzu. Yep. The Labrador Retriever. The best. Silver Surfer. Oh, Silver. And Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Ms. Marvel. Good stuff all around. Good stuff. Time to turn that into a soup somehow. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right, I've, I've got my soup. All right, let's go. All right. My soup is Captain Marvel 2. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, so... In the second Captain Marvel movie, mm-hmm. uh, Captain Marvel returns to Earth, and it's the present day. Sure. And, uh, and you know, she, she hangs out there for a little while, kind of adjusts to, to everything that's different. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Silver Surfer uh, comes down, and he's surveying the planet uh, to see if it's fit to be devoured by Galactus. Okay. Uh, she goes to fight him. It's a, it's, a cool, it's a cool fight scene, and she's like, stop, you can't, you can't eat this planet. It's, it's filled with life. It's protected by me, Captain Marvel. Uh-huh. And Silver Surfer goes, Well, you can't tell me to stop. If you want me to not invade this planet on behalf of my ruler Galactus, you must defeat my seven evil ex-boyfriends. <laughs> so so then the Silver Surfer's seven boyfriends come to invade the planet. Okay. You know, like... uh. Like the aluminum surfer, <laughs> uh, the puce surfer, right. uh, the um, the paper surfer. Yeah, the paper surfer, and uh, and there's a couple surfers that just look like dogs. <laughs> uh, a, a Labrador Retriever and a Shih Tzu, specifically for some reason. Sure. Uh, so, <laughs> so then, like, uh, Captain Marvel's really overwhelmed 
uh, and she she needs help beating them all up. So <laughs> she gets the help of like Monica Rambeau at the halfway point, uh-huh. uh, the daughter of her best friend that has now grown up to an adult. Right. Uh, but Monica also brings her protege, uh-huh. a Muslim American girl named Kamala, mm-hmm. and uh, and Kamala uh, expose to all the the radiation that all these surfers are giving off. Uh, gets the ability to turn her hands in a big. Big ol' she can embiggen parts of her body, and she makes big fists and big feet, and she uh, she helps Captain Marvel save the day, even though Captain Marvel is clearly like ten power levels higher than her. But it's cool. Kamala's great. Uh, it goes really well. Uh, the surfers all fucking leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Marvel uh, thanks uh, Monica and Kamala for their help. And then she hops onto a broomstick <laughs> and flies toward the screen and goes, ha ha! And then just freeze frames on, uh, on Carol's face as the credits roll. Uh, Man, that soup was like, you know, you're actually kind of enjoying it. It's better than you expect. Uh-huh. And then you take the last bite and you're like, wow, that was literally poop. <laughs> This big old turd in the bottom of my suit. I can't believe this. I gotta go to the Board of Health. <laughs> Poop surprise! <laughs> yes, and that's what it's called on the menu, but you're like, hey, that's not what it's <laughs> <laughs> Hiding in plain exactly sight! <laughs> yeah. Good, good job, Daniel. That was more competent than I expected, <laughs> based on what you had to work with. <laughs> What's your soup, Sean? Oh boy, so... I thought about this, and it occurred to me that the only way that I could make these ingredients work together if it was, is if it was kind of in the mode of, like, a 60s-slash-70s superhero cartoon, uh-huh. right? Like, we had, like, that wacky Spider-Man series. We had, like, Adam West Batman, like, okay. that, that whole thing. Sure. So, you know, because we're kind of getting to the point where surfing starts to get cool, we got the Beach Boys, right? You uh-huh. Know? This uh, show is about a surfing dog. <laughs> and uh because of some genetic experimentation that was conducted on him he has uh stretchy limbs and also a number of other like superpowers that just kind of come out when uh when he's really stressed out like how a golden retriever gets stressed out all the time sure and um but you know, he's kind of a small dog maybe like a pug or something uh and the opening <laughs> Is him, he's like surfing on a wave, and you actually have like a Beach Boys, Boys style song, you know, in the background. It's like, because of the experimentation, he can surf. He's a dog, he's a surfing dog. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to mess with him, or he'll give you surfing turf. He's a dog, he's a surfing dog. And, uh, you know, but he wasn't the only dog that was part of this oh, program. Do, do another verse. Uh, you can't believe. That he's for real. He's a surfing dog. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Mm. Uh, Now, he's not the only dog that could come about as a a part of this program. Uh There are, in fact, seven evil dogs (laughs) uh, that escaped. And uh, it's his task to hunt them all down. And so, you uh, you know, as you're kind of going through uh, this whole thing... You kind of see him like bam biff powing a bunch of other dogs, uh-huh. and then finally there's just this massive army of dogs, and it seems as though he will not be able to surmount them in any way. Um, <laughs> but then <laughs> I actually wrote this down before you did yours. He opens his mouth in a half excited, <laughs> in a half excited, half confused way. A death beam shoots out. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then it freeze frames. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's the title crawl for Stretchy Surfing Dog <laughs> coming to uh, TV near you uh, 50 years ago. Surfing Dog, Trooper Ball, we in the death ray. Surfing Dog, Dog. Surf, <laughs> surfing dog. <laughs> <laughs> your your soup is like is, is like a, a a special soup recipe that you find in in like a sixties cookbook, <laughs> like, but it's like got a Jello mold in it and shit because that's what they were doing back then, right? Yeah, like it's it's like you look at that and you're like, I'm not gonna make this, but what I am gonna show is show this cookbook to all my friends, show them how fucking funny this recipe is. Yes. That was really, that was really good. That was a great, great <laughs> soup. Thank, Thank you, you, Sean. Absolutely. All right. Those may have been our best soups yet, <laughs> which might be a little bit sad. <laughs> Thank you to everyone that submitted their, their ingredients this month. Uh, as always, if you'd like to submit an ingredient for our next episode, airing sometime in June, you can submit your ingredient as a comment on the Patreon post attached to this episode. And we will pick up to three next time and and make a new soup. Yeah, we'll put some of them in the pantry. Yeah, may, maybe. You're right. Yeah, if we don't... If, if we even get that many, we'll who put knows? all of them in the pantry and then end the episode after 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next month. Uh, what's, what's, what's the fucking tagline? Oh, let's see anything about this. Uh, and remember, kids, Watchmen's a good movie. Fuck Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> You know, maybe I should stop giving you the responsibility of sign-offs. Oh, I think no. you're abusing your power. We're in too deep now. <laughs> this is just a tradition of the show. Can't go away. <laughs> and remember, kids. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> Freeze ray! Special thanks. Special thanks. Special thanks to Lonald. Yes, thank you, Lonald, as we thank you all the time and first for <laughs> your excellent contributions to this podcast and also your financial contributions to our lives. Yeah, thanks, Lonald. Thanks for everything. Yes. Uh, really appreciate the excuse to talk about the MCU more. Obviously, really got MCU on the brain these days. And this question was a real cool way to keep talking about it. Yeah, we love talking. Yeah, we sure do. Thank you, Lonald. Yes, thank you. Special thanks to Nymph. Thank you, Nymph. Your arrival in Chicago draws ever closer. It sure does. Yeah, you you might get to guest on an episode of something we do. I'm going to try to set it up so that we can uh, talk about the game you recommended on Play This. Maybe I shouldn't promise that out loud in case that doesn't pan out. So what I'm going to say instead is... Looking forward to you being in this house. Yeah, that'll be real nice and and getting to hang with you. Yeah. 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 Special thanks to Amy Lee. Thank you, Amy Lee. Amy Lee is sick as of this recording, and I've been giving her lots of tea and chicken noodle soup, and actually, once we're done, I'm gonna go get some more of those things from the store. And I brought honey. 
Yeah. I helped 1%. <laughs> you brought honey for my honey. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks. Special thanks to Leo. Ah, thank you, Leo. Many thanks uh, for also giving us an opportunity to talk about Marvel. Gonna put that in the pocket, bring it back out later, uh, open it up, uh, give it a couple licks, you know, like like it's an envelope or something, and uh, put a letter in there and then mail it to Thank Station. There's something wrong with you <laughs> on a fundamental level. <laughs> I just like trying to imagine you like open the pantry, you take something out, you put it in your pocket, you take it out, oh, it's an envelope now. <laughs> Lick the envelope. <laughs> You're like the world's strangest magician. Be sure to go to the thanks station to pick up your mail, Leo. Thanks. thanks. Special thanks to all of our patrons. If you'd like this shit, you can special thank us at the $20 or higher level, and we'll do this in all of our podcast episodes, yes. A Smashing Theory, and Beep Boop Soup, and really whatever else we put out. Patronizes at the $20 level, and this can be even longer than it already is. <laughs> Thanks to all our patrons. Woo. Have a good day. Bye, everybody.